TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. And now Garver drives it to center. Going back is Nimmo. That ball is off the wall and away from Nimmo. Garver rounding second. Now they're calling it a home run. Garver going to third, and he will break DeGrom's scoreless inning streak with a solo home run. Out of the gap in left center field. This is deep and gone. Garver goes deep again. The third home run against Jacob DeGrom. And welcome to the Score North Twin Show from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Zolgad, Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on this beautiful, snowy now afternoon in the midst of what's supposed to be baseball season with the Twins due home on Friday for a game that they surely won't play, but I'm not bitter. Be nice if they had a roof over Target Field and they could get Shut that up, game Rami. In. Shut up, Rami. <laughs> I've heard but enough hey, of that. Rami well, you, know what? you know what we're going to get? We're yeah. going to get we're going to get a gorgeous June or July day. And I'll take it. Playing the Bengals in a double dip at Target Field and I'll be drinking beer and I won't even remember this crap Yes, then That's right. That well, we should say Rami Makloff, our good friend is not here today because he's out stuffing his face uh in the line of duty. At Allianz Field. I hope he's getting snowed on. Score North. I I hope he's getting snowed on and complaining about the fact they don't have a roof on Allianz. I don't know if they're going to turn that into a beyond the score or what, but you could find the videos of Rami stuffing his face again. What? Two, three weeks how after he Ra- vowed to never stuff his face again. How does Rami always get this assignment? I mean, I'm not complaining about Oh, this about is what mine, he came here for. Because I get games and stuff, so this, that's good. This is this is why we wanted Rami on the Score North staff. He is the perfect person. I don't know if you saw the little tease video, and then we'll, we'll get off of Rami, but he said... Uh, he was doing an intro, a teaser for their food tour today over at the soccer stadium in St. Paul. Yep. And he and Jonathan Harrison were on the set together, and he said, Did you prepare for this? And Jonathan's like, well, I had kind of a light breakfast. And Rami went through the laundry list of preparations he did. He said, I'm not messing around. This is a professional well, driver on a closed course. Let's go. It's because he learned from last two weeks <laughs> yeah, ago at Target Field where, where he, he was, needed a nap. He was sitting on the couch in the prep room, and he seriously, I said, are you okay? He's like, I got to have a nap. <laughs> So this is don't let Rami's don't, don't let Rami's BS sway you. This is a man who two weeks ago made some tactical mistakes and is now trying to rectify those. Hey, mistakes. live and learn. He's now learned from those and he's putting it into practice. Good for him. All but right. we're going to miss Rami today. All right, so let's discuss the uh, the Twins' an impressive fourteen to eight victory City Field last night against the defending Cy Young NL Cy Young winner Jacob Degrom. Really impressive game. Wow. Um, there's a lot of places to start, but I want to start here because I think this is a credit not only to the player himself, but also the team and, and the, the approach. And I also want you to tell me, am I, because this is not meant to dump on the previous administrations and or Mulder from last year, who I think was very good. But I want you to, if not straighten me out here, sort of give me some guidance. I want to talk about Mitch Garver. Okay. Okay. Now, Mitch Garver was a catcher last year who we always knew could hit, but he didn't really have a position because his catching was really not good. A lot of pass balls, just a he didn't frame well. There was just a lot of things about him where you're like, this guy can play and he can hit in the big leagues, but unless he really improves himself, he's nothing more than an occasional backup catcher and maybe can play some outfield or first base. And Derek, this guy clearly worked very hard in the winter to improve himself as a catcher, came back with 
new ideas, fundamentals, approaches. Still uh, can hit it, as you heard. Manny played the two home runs that he hit in last night's game. But how much of what we're seeing from him is sort of a window into how the Twins are being run now as well? Because there was a lot of work done, and there's been a lot of work done with this guy defensively. So now where I think he's very acceptable. He's I, he's probably not great, and the metrics probably don't scream all-star, but he's also turned a corner to where this is a guy that you are definitely not afraid to catch now in key games, and I think a year ago you definitely were. Yeah, he looked the part yesterday in New York. I mean, um, it's hard to quantify. It really is. I mean, over a full season, maybe, but in a game, I don't think you can really look at it and say like, oh, well, one wild pitch and two pass balls and one thrown out runner, so... Cancel out, carry the four, and he went even on the day. I don't think that's how it works. That's not how I view it anyways. But last year, just the eye test told you he was not ready for that position when he was called upon for the Twins. Not blaming him, whatever, he was a college hitter, and um, not blaming the Twins and their development. Because if you were to criticize them now, boy, you'd have to heap a lot of praise on them for the work that went into the offseason, the Mitch Garver um, to catching coordinators that they brought in to Bill Evers, who's working with catchers on the staff. Uh, tons of stuff under Rocco Baldelli and, by extension, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine. I think that he looks like a different player now, not just as a hitter. I mean, he's always sort of had that confidence, and I think we'll continue to see that batting line up. He's not going to keep hitting two home runs every game that he plays, but he looks like a big league hitter to me. Always has. This case didn't look like a big league catcher when he first came up last year. I think credit goes to him and to the whole staff around him, too. We can dive deep on this however deep you want to. I think a ton of credit belongs to Garver and a ton of credit belongs to the support staff, too, for now taking him what was a... There was a ball of clay there, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't molded. It wasn't a finished product. And now, at least through two starts, he looks polished. He looks good behind the plate. And I think you'd be pretty happy throwing him out there as an everyday catcher if it came to that. Yeah, and that's the thing that impresses me is they took him, and and instead of saying, ah, yeah, he's just not going to be there, they molded him essentially into this guy who yeah. can and well, you know his fundamentals have changed catching wise completely oh big time i like, mean there he's down on and i go back to as a kid i was i remember watching tony pena catch sure. for pittsburgh and then i believe st louis but it, anyway he used to have the the deal where he would shoot his leg out yeah but out. like garver garver's got different sets where one i think he's got the shin guard down on the dirt one i think the leg does go straight out but it's it's very clearly a coached approach. Like, I don't think this is him deciding, I'm going to do this on this pitch. It might be. But it looks like, and that's the thing is, this this staff seems to have struck a really interesting balance, in my mind, baseball-wise, of turning players loose with certain things that they're comfortable with, but having very clear-cut, almost football-like, planned-out ideas hmm. on certain things. Sure, that could be. I, the way I look at it is... As much as you could maybe tease them for this, Falvey and Levine are honest. I mean, with their staffers. They're going to tell you what they think. It's not a, well, gosh, um, Tyler Austin, for example, who was traded to the Giants this week after he was DFA'd. I don't think he would have come into spring training thinking he's the starting first baseman and let's just see what happens. I'm pretty sure, 
just based on everything I've gathered from being around the team for a couple of years, mm-hmm. pretty sure they would have told Tyler Austin coming into spring training, hey, you're kind of like second, third in the pecking order, and it's going to be kind of tough to find a roster spot for you. We like you. Right. We think you're a good player. You've got power. We want this to play up. But just so you know where you're at, here's where we think you stack up with your teammates. I think you could do the same thing with every player up and down the 25 and 40-man rosters at you know, sort of exit interviews, if you want to call them that. Last October, sit down with a Mitch Garver and say, hey, like your bat. You're a prospect for us. We think you're a future catcher for this organization. Now we're going to go, we're, gonna, we're always going to try to improve if we can, and we bring in a big free agent or make a trade for a JT Real Muto. Well, this changes things. But as it stands, we like you. Here's what you do well. Mm-hmm. Here's what you don't do well. It's up to you. You can pout about that and be mad that your bosses don't love you. And or, he knew that, though, too. He He's not a dumb guy. Oh, he knew it. Like, he knew defensively he was nowhere near where he it's still, needed to be to play It more. still takes an ego check. Like, even if sure you know does, that. But like, it, you might think you're Right, right. And self-aware. You might think to yourself, well, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm, the, I'm a good hitting catcher, and I'm getting all this. I'm just getting torched on social media for one pass ball a week. Are you kidding me? I'm a big leaguer. I don't need to deal with this. You could you could be obstinate like that if you wanted to. But what I'm seeing in Garver now and what I saw in Fort Myers when I was there for a couple of weeks in spring training is a guy willing to work on his weaknesses, which is, I can't overstate this, so impressive to me to take on something that other people are going to be critical of you right. instead of just leaning on the things that you do well. But don't you think that Falvey, Levine, and Baldelli are very good or seem to be very good at presenting your weaknesses in a way where, I don't know. where they get you to Like, are they charming about it? Well, no, I just think they're smart. I think if you go to Mitch Garver and say, you stink, this is awful, unacceptable, fix it, he's going to be like, well, okay, I'll try. But I think if you go and say, we're going to have you work with a coach in the wintertime and and here's where you struggle and we can show you. This goes back to the conversation that, that I think the new age baseball executive who's smart is really good at, which is analytics play a huge role in my life. But if I just go and say, your pitch framing stinks. Look at these numbers. And you're like, what means nothing to me. Right. But if you're like, all right, I'm going to separate this out and I'm going to give you just a slice of the pie of what you can improve and where you aren't good. The person's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. All, All of these statistics and numbers and what have you, I think in moderation can be very helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's where this staff to me seems to be smart. Because if you just put it all on a table in front of the player, the player's going to be overwhelmed and give up. It's a lot. But if you give them a slice of it and say, this is the most important thing. You know, there's things that you can improve on besides this, but let's focus on this. I think the person, the, the employee, basically, me, right. you, says, right. exactly. oh, oh, okay. oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, 100%. And you don't do it with... Uh, you're incompetent. Right. You do it with, uh, I want you to be the best that you could possibly be because you might not be going to Cooperstown, but you can help us win games. You nailed it. There is a phrase that Thad Levine brought up. I think it was his first offseason here, I want to say. And you and I, Judd, were talking about something along the lines of Sano, and it was contentious. It was him against the team, and there's this fight over, I don't know, this was after he was playing in the corner outfield, so I don't even remember what the battle was. Uh, maybe it's just improving defensively. And we thought, like, twins are mad at him, so 
there's some like bitterness there and he's just got to be better. And then, but on his side of the fence, he's probably mad. We're projecting, we're, we're making these things up in our head. We're just talking it through. Like he's probably mad. I'm a home run hitter. And you're talking to me about ground balls at third base, get lost. And Thad Levine basically straightened us out and said something to the effect of, no, you guys, I, I don't get where you're getting this sort of adversarial relationship. This is a partnership. He said, we are partnering with the team, or we are partnering with the player. In the player's case, they're partnering with their employer because it's not supposed to be contentious. If Miguel Sano makes $100 million in his career because the Twins challenge him to get better at third base rather than just being like an all-or-nothing slugger with 25 home runs who strikes his way out of the league, that's not good for the Twins. So the partnership aspect is what Thad was trying to underscore, and I think that's right. exactly what you're seeing well, with Mitch Garver. And where human nature comes into this equation is a lot of people have to be handled in different ways. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not sure that – I'm not – I think Sano is probably a tough love guy. I don't know. He's a tough nut to crack. Well, right, right. But <laughs> yeah, Garver, that's... Garver, I think, was very simple. They just said, here's what we need, and he said, oh, okay – Sure. Awesome. I'll go do it. Well, to be clear, too, they were doing this and, all through last season. And and let's not and let's not give them complete credit because I still think they ticked off Buxton and it might have worked. I don't know, but the Buxton thing still, if I'm Buxton, rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. The September decision, and I know why they made it for service time. So I'm not saying across the board they're geniuses, but what I am saying is it seems it seems that now the troika of uh, Derek, Thad, and Rocco are very much on the same page and have some very interesting ideas about how to milk the most production from guys who might be good, but probably aren't great. No, yeah. No, and I think the partnership thing keeps coming into this because, like, you can sit a guy down at the end of the season. Let's say it's Mitch Garver. And I talked to him early when he was in the uh, the big leagues last year on the Twins and thinking, like, the t- the tone of the interview was kind of uncomfortable. And I-, I didn't try to make it that way, but it was about just— About defense or what were you talking about? Yeah, there was one specific game, actually, where it was just— I can't remember if it was like, what pitcher? The one that jumps to my mind is Michael Tonkin, but I don't know that they overlapped. So, well, he but had like, passed balls left and right as far as I recall, Yeah, too. So because like he of... didn't know what he was doing, and he wouldn't hold runners on. It was like right. he just had a big fastball, and here he is. Right. But there was a pitcher that wasn't holding guys on or something, and the other team stole like six bases or something in one game, and I was like, you know, hey, how do, how do you work on those kind of things? And it was very clear from the interview. It was it was a terrible job by me in terms of like approaching it and being tactful and all that. I just sometimes I lack that. You know that, Judd. But then I sit well, there tough, and I'm thinking like, OK, so clearly this is something that the twins are talking to him about every day because that's what's going to become. He's going to go from like not sure he's a big leaguer, he can hit, but to if you're a good defensive catcher with this skill set, you are an everyday starter. This is one of the things that the Twins can now hang their hat on. So so how can we get you to that point? From the Twins, that's exactly the question I'm asking myself. They had that conversation throughout the year last year with Garver, Garver and then in an exit interview possibly, I'm just making this up, but like hypothetically, you could sit down and say, all right, you're kind of, you get annoyed taking heat for some of this, here are the things we think you do really well, and this is why you're on the team. This is why we picked you. This is why you're here. And you can hit. And a guy coming up along the way, by the way, alongside Stuart Turner, who was thought of as like the sort of the defensive catcher. He was the glove and throw guy. Garver was the bat. If they could just have each other's skill sets, they'd be an everyday big leaguer. How can you work on your deficiencies? Well, Turner gets taken off the roster, and Mitch Garver's here. So that mm-hmm. says the Twins like him. Communicate that point to him and then say, here's how we 
see you getting to the next level. If you want to commit yourself this offseason to these stretching and flexibility things, if you want to work on preserving that low strike so that when Barrios throws a little two-seamer at the bottom of the zone, you don't knock it down and it's called a ball because the umpire's just guessing back there. That's all they're doing. You have to make his guesswork easier. So here's how we see it going. If you want to partner with us on this, awesome, great. We'd love to have you coming into spring training next year as one of our guys. Um, if not, that's fine too. We can't make you do anything in the off season, but your career is kind of in your hands. We can help you get there if you'd like. What do you say? Right, and if they give him, which I'm sure they did, a plan to get there, oh, yeah. it's tempting and not insulting. The problem is when you're asking him as a reporter after a game about a tough game, I know, I know. he doesn't have answers, but if if you... And it wasn't his fault and he couldn't throw his had, teammate under the bus. But if you had come to him, but, it, but if you could have come to him with, uh, hey, Mitch, you do these five things and you work for the Twins, he's going to say that's fantastic. Right. Because it's not adversarial, it's a partnership. So, and the second thing off of the Twins' willingness to adjust last night, and Morneau, who's absolutely outstanding, brought this up during the telecast, and they showed it slowed down. It's Polanco, not at the plate where he's been fantastic, but at shortstop. And this goes along the lines of, if you can do it, just do it. And... Morneau's point was when Polanco made all of the throwing miscues in recent years, it was an over-the-top throw because he mm. threw sidearm, and the Twins told him, you can't do that. The previous regime did. Interesting. That if you're playing shortstop, it can't be a second baseman's throw, essentially. And that Rocco and the boys said, you know what? If it gets it there and it doesn't fly into the first base seats, just do it. So, again, that's one where they told him, just go back to what you do because it can get outs. And, and of course, eventually he's going to play second base probably. <laughs> second base, right, that's fine. what I was going to say. But, yeah. but, <laughs> but, again, this, but, but, again, this speaks to – now, this speaks to the willingness to allow someone it. to do something that might yeah. rub you the wrong way fundamentally because it's wrong, but you're just like, bleep it, it's working – and if you do try and come over the top, guess what we get? We get balls flying over the first baseman's head. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm I've been pretty disappointed with Polanco this year defensively. I mean, just it's a small sample size for nine games in. Who cares? But I look at it and I see like, yeah, boy, you really wanted this to be the year that he took that step forward and proved demonstrably that he was a big league shortstop. Period. But I don't think they're worried about that, are they? Probably, like it'd be nice to have it. Probably not. That's the you step you'd like to see. Air, he's going to be replaced. He's a sure. second baseman. But if you do, if, it's what you'd like to see. But though. if you do have a problem with yeah. with the guy trying to throw in a different way that causes him issues, then, yeah, but, then I think it's an interesting philosophy to say just, just do, do it you. your way for now. You know what else I think though? I think the shoulder injury plays into this because he was kind of questionable for the start of the season with a. I, I don't know if you would call it tendonitis, whatever. I wasn't there at the end of spring training to know like what are they terming this, whatever. It's a little bit of a shoulder deal. And if you're coming over the top and you've got something there, and whether it's, look, I'm not going to start guessing injuries, whatever. But if it, even ahead, if it's, it's a, a tired shoulder, yeah, that's right, reckless you play, speculation. You play a doctor at 120 <laughs> <in> Central Time. <laughs> 120 to 2 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, and then again at 320 with Matthew Collar today, I heard. Thank you, that's, Derek Job. That's, that's what my uh, agent told me today, this morning, when I got the schedule. But I look at this and I see, if you're coming over the top, that takes a full range of motion and a strong throwing arm. Sure. Right now... From my untrained, not a scout eye, Polanco doesn't have either. He doesn't have a strong throwing arm, and he just 
doesn't have a full range of motion, maybe for whatever reason. Because you remember that opening weekend against the Indians, it was skip in the dirt, sail, make CJ Crone make a heck of an athletic play at first base. Well, and Joe Maurer spent a good portion of his time playing first base in recent years, saving, saving Polanco's errors. butt. That's right. So, like, I look at Polanco, and you can look at the error count and say, oh, it hasn't been that bad. Yeah, but yeah he was with an elite scoop first baseman who is six foot five. The last couple of years, he saved him a lot. I'm just trying to bring up errors, philosophical things that the twins seem to be yeah. going towards. And, and I get what you're going at. Again, I'm not trying to insult Paul because I think Paul did a very nice job. I just think it's interesting to watch. Rocco now is clearly an extension of what Derek and Thad believe completely. That's why they hired him. Which is why he's their guy. Yeah, exactly that's right. That's fine. I don't, look at the, I don't look at Polanco and Garver as necessarily the same thing, but I do think the way they communicate with players is. We, I keep bringing up the word, uh, the partnership of, look, we want you to be the best. Like, they want Byron Buxton to be the best Byron Buxton for obvious reasons. Yeah. And if that means someday paying him $150 million, then sign me up. That's which, that's which, great for them. Which is why the September decision surprised Sh- me. Sure, right. okay, but let's take Sano, for example. Sano is a three-plus player, so he's got yeah. three more years till free agency. And if he's just sort of a guy who plays some first base and DH and 35% strikeout rate and some home runs, that's not a valuable player. Mm-hmm. If he's a plus third baseman, left and right, can come in, make that charge play that we've seen him make so many times. He's hitting his 35 home runs. He's getting on base. He's drawing walks. He's cutting the strikeouts. That's an extremely valuable player, one that you would pay a lot of money for. Some people would say, like, well, why would you want that? It'd be a big paycheck. Because that's what you're playing for. If you're the Twins development program, your goal, like your professional existence, is based upon getting a guy like Sano to figure out, getting a guy like Polanco to figure out shortstop, getting a guy like Alex Kirilov to learn to play multiple positions and be up in the big leagues by 2020. That's the goal, full stop. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I look at both of those situations as something that like, Hey, if this player is the best version of his self, good for him, and that's great, and especially good for Polanco because he's got the contract now. He's here no matter what, but especially good for the Twins if you can get the most out of every guy. Six home runs and 17 hits, small sample size, or does it mean something? We'll discuss next Score North Twin Show. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and Score North. Score North Twin Show. Have you guys ever wondered what it's like to be a twin? On Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Tim Well, the left center field. Deep to the gap and gone. Jonathan Scopes first as a twin. And the lead grows to 7-3. To, to the gap and deep. Scope has hit his second tonight. This one with two men aboard. And Jason Vargas is getting pounded here in the ninth inning. All right, Score North Twin Show, Zolgad, Wetmore, and Hill, and Derek Wetmore. It took four hours and eight minutes to play that ball game last night, but the positives were um, defending NL Cy Young winner Jacob DeGrom, early exit. The Twins end up with 17 hits and six home runs. What it, What was your takeaway in a baseball world in which we're not very far into the season and in which people like you love to bring up the fact that these are small <laughs> sample sizes? What was what was your t- takeaway? And I did find it very interesting that uh, um, Dick and Justin actually gave a ton of credit in that game to the first at bat by Kepler, which I think was a seven-pitch strikeout. 
Yes. But the fact that there was clear, that. that there was an approach to work that count as much as possible. What what did you see last night that you actually took something from and or dismissed pretty quickly? Yeah, what do you mean people like me say small sample size? You and Mac, you, you love to say you small me a nerd? sample size. Uh, it's not even nerd. It's a different way of thinking, and I, I actually don't mind it, but I think that you guys look at a game like that, and you're probably right. You probably yeah. say, yeah, it took forever to play, but guess what? It's still one nine-inning baseball game. Right. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> when you when you rough up <laughs> yeah. Jacob DeGrom just, and, and you got Syndergaard tonight, uh, yep. nonetheless, I, I'm not sure you can dismiss it completely no. or should dismiss no, it. No, I just wanted to make you squirm a little bit. Oh, I'm not squirming it. one yeah, bit at tell. all. No, I, I tried really I enjoy hard. The, <laughs> Manny, I enjoy the discussion. Did you see him through the glass just relishing that little uncomfortable moment? He was <laughs> like, yes, totally this is it, great. Yes. I'm like PJ Fleck, man. I eat uncomfortable conversations <laughs> for breakfast. Uh, well, okay. I am a nerd. I'll just come out and say that. And I will say, small sample size does matter at the same time Jacob deGrom's a hell of a pitcher I mean to take it to him what they have six home runs last night correct they hung six runs on deGrom six earned runs which teams just don't do you look at his go look at his game log from last year Mm -hmm. it's like zero zero one zero two three zero zero wins two ten wins in Cy Young because he pitched so doggone well and they just weren't good he pitched for the Mets back before the Mets were trying so I look at that performance and say you know what I know it's only one game but that's impressive I mean you you rough this guy up without Nelson Cruz in the lineup without Mm -hmm. Miguel Sano in the lineup and I don't, it's hard to get over the sense that I'm getting from spring training's a part of it, but the bigger part is these nine games here in the regular season. This just looks like a nice, complete lineup. I mean, it's early. We're nine games in, and yet I look at it and I say, not one through nine necessarily, because I'll have a couple of weak spots depending on the lineup and the handedness of the pitcher and all that stuff. But generally speaking, this is a pretty strong and balanced offensive club, which I don't know that you would have said going into last year, knowing ah, they're going to lose Joe Maurer, they're probably going to lose Brian Dozier. What's this club going to look like? I fast forward now and I say the additions of guys like Jonathan Scope, Mitch Garver taking that step forward, Nelson Cruz plopping in the middle there, Max Kepler Who's emerging. not playing right now, Cruz. Right, National of the National League game. Yeah, you don't want to see him in right field more than you have to. But I think that there is this real element of this is a deep, balanced, good lineup Twins team, and I think that's here to stay. This is a division-winning, possibly make a little bit of noise in the postseason type of lineup, right? Lineup, I mean, yeah. I mean, just when you look at the the totality from 1 to 9 and the options that they have and the depth that they have and, you know, save for injuries and anything like that, I mean, this is a lineup that, if they can make the playoffs, I'll take this lineup yeah. against anybody. If they can pitch, right? If they I mean, can that's pitch, the that's, that's, that's the okay, one right. big if. And yeah. Gibby struggled a bit last night. We, we need to see the real Kyle so, Gibson. I think his first two yeah. starts in this, that that's one where I will run up the small sample size flag that's going up the flagpole. But I, I look at it, and it's it's early. We'll keep saying that till we're blue in the face. But this Twins team is currently second in the American League in terms of runs scored per game. Mm-hmm. Might not be up there in runs. They maybe have fewer games than some of these other clubs. But runs per game, when you divide it out, after last night's explosion, 5.44 runs per game. That's second. I mean, that'd be great if you finished with five runs a game. No matter what pitching staff, Manny, they're going to October. Yeah. It's just a question then of how far do you go once you get there. Seattle is currently first in the American League, which I think is an important cautionary tale. They're currently uh, 
unbeatable, basically. What are they, like 12-2 and two or something ridiculous like that? It's a bizarre tale. And they're scoring eight runs a game. That ain't happening. That's, they, that's not going to continue. They dumped everybody, too. They gave up. The Mariners dumped everybody. Let's see, right Trader now. Robbie Cano. Right now, they are 11-2. and 11-2, and two, not 12-2. And, two. and okay. Cano does not look great. Yeah, I mean, he's... And the Mets took mid, on a lot of that salary. Like, and, I, I, and I love Cano. a lot of salary. Oh, he was... Such in, a fun in, player to watch. In his day, yeah, yeah. the thing that I always admired about him when he was at his best was it looked effortless. He, it was like... Like, he played... Se- he threw from second base, and I watched him, I'm like... I could make that. No, I'm like, I oh, could make oh. that throw. He makes it look so oh, easy. Oh, the opposite. <laughs> and then you try and make that throw, you're like... Oh. You you go as a second baseman running across the bag and step on the other side as you get a little flip yes. from the shortstop, plant your back foot and try to throw it out of your pocket. Yep. And he did that 100 times out of 100 without looking at first base, threw it under his armpit. And I was like, how did he do that? Small, a small thing from last night, I think it was relatively early in that game, was um, double play ball. Yeah. Buxton hit it. Yeah. And Cano, who's, you know, who knows how to turn a double play like nobody's business. <laughs> He's like, got nah. the ball, took one look at first base, and it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw just, that back to the pitcher. He swallowed it. It wasn't like, I'll feign an effort here. It was, eh, I'm not even taking the chance. This thing's ending up in the first row. The, the other thing about the Twins, yeah. they score a lot of runs, and it's early, and they'll get more Nelson Cruz in the lineup, which should help. Maybe some of these guys cool off a little bit. It balances it. How do you inject Miguel Sano in there? That'll be a fascinating talker a month from now. But this team, too, is relying on home runs right now, and they're currently fourth in the American League in terms of home runs per game. But I think that's legit, don't you? Well, I maybe think so. they're going to hit a lot of home runs. But they're currently hitting almost one and a half a game, which, again, is behind Seattle. The Yankees, they're going to hit a few home runs. And Oakland, they're also going to hit a few home runs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I expect this Twins team to hit more than 200 home runs. And, I mean, that's the pace they're keeping right now. So maybe that balances off, cools off. I don't know. But I look at this and I say, this is an incredible start for this lineup. And let's see if the individual components can keep it going. Because I do really think it's a strong lineup. Seattle has 33 home runs in 13 games. Yeah, that sounds about right. That is just like we all said preseason, Manny. Zero cents. Remember when we did our home run draft? We all just took Mariners. <laughs> Jay Bruce, right? Yeah. Jay Bruce is off to a Jay great Bruce start. Is hitting like, he's hitting like one eighty though. And I think in, he's got Encarnacion hit something like two in an inning on Monday night. Is Mitch Haniger yeah. doing well? Is he off to a good start? That was kind of like the one professional bat you to looked. use a to use a Wetmore term. I think this is unsustainable. Yes, that's right. I think yeah, the Mariners' success is unsustainable. Yeah, I don't think they're going to finish at an 11-2 and two clip over a 162-game schedule. But it is, it's a good example of, yeah, you can trust the early numbers a little bit because it's better that Buxton's hitting than that he's not hitting. But keep it in perspective, the Mariners are currently scoring eight runs a game. Jay Bruce has seven bombs. <laughs> what? Tim, yeah. Tim Beckham, four. Domingo Santana, four. Ryan Healy, three. Oh, yeah. Uh, Incarnacion has four, and Daniel Vogelbach well, has five. That is kind of the home run leaderboard that I expected to see at the end of the season, right? That's just home <laughs> that's runs like six of the top ten. Games. Domingo Santana. insanity. Uh, through Monday's games, Domingo Santana leads the American League in RBIs with 19. Beckham is third with 11. Bruce tied with him, 11. Healy, 11. Yeah, this start is completely nuts. Yeah, that's so it's a good framework. Here's the difference. I think that the Twins have the individual components to sustain a good offense. I looked at this preseason and I said, 
things break right for him, like especially in the Buxton camp. I did the same thing but, in Florida. But yeah, even in the... In Florida, I looked and said, these guys can hit. Yeah, like even in the Jonathan Scope camp, uh, yep. throw Mitch Garver and Williams Estadio into this list too. That's perfectly fine by me. CJ Crone coming in. I looked at this and I said, you could see, you could make a case for if this goes according to plan or even a little bit better, because sometimes you get good luck. If it goes that way, this is a top five offense in the American League. And I'm standing by that based on what I've seen the first couple of weeks here. That's It's an impressive stretch with the bats, and now if you can marry it up with some pitching, it's an explanation for why they're off to such a good start. And what's, what's interesting about it too, Derek, is, I mean, you mentioned C.J. Crone. He hasn't even hit a home run yet. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't really. Well, Scope I mean, didn't. Not, yeah, yeah Scope last night. until last night, and right. he hit two. But, I mean, and, and Crone's off to, I mean, he's he's off to a nice start. He's fine, but. You you would think okay if one of these other guys starts to tail off a little bit, Crone might end up. That might be the same time where Crone starts to. Oh, I think they're going to start hitting yeah. a bunch over the fence. You know, I think I think that 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 constructed lineup right now yeah. is going to hit for power. I think I'll say two things, and I don't know if either one of us in a hot take. I never seem to have a good radar for that kind of thing. I think they won't keep up like historic pace. Like they won't be they yeah. won't be the top offense in the American League. Some of this stuff's gonna. You know, regress a little bit. There's another Wetmore phrase, regress to the mean. They are going to cool off with the bats as a team collectively. However, I think this finishes as a top five offense, and I don't think that's a hot take. I think their bats carry them as far as they're going to go this year. How much trouble is Cle- is Cleveland in with Clevenger hurt now, too? Oh, we could talk a whole segment about this because if you want to bring it back. This, divi- this division keeps... <laughs> Keeps, I don't want to jinx it for the boys, but it keeps skewing towards the twins. Well, you got to overcome the, the Tigers. Unless, <laughs> yeah, well, the ti- the Tigers are going going to go backwards. I could see the White Sox making a bit of a run at some point. I don't yeah. think I don't think they're there yet, though. Yeah, I don't think it's I fair don't. to expect that. Yeah, but Cleveland with Clevenger out now, and, and here's the thing: Cleveland strikes me as the type of team that if they get the chance to bail, very well might. That part's harder to Kluber, read. Kluber Bauer gets traded. That part's hard to read. However, as it seems like an adv- adversarial relationship right now between the <laughs> franchise and its fan base. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that's probably fair. It doesn't seem real. Enjoy Francisco Lindor while you got him. Cheap Dolans might be a phrase being uttered <laughs> in Cleveland as much as we say cheap Polans. Yeah. Uh, so I look at that and I say, you know me, Judd. I am not one to overreact to the first. 12 days of a baseball season. It was it was bordering on blasphemy when on May 1st last year, I wrote a column and said the Twins are cooked, that this is it, they're not going to the postseason. That was incredibly early for me. It may be the hottest take I've ever had. Okay. I think Cleveland's in trouble. I don't think you can lose superstar caliber players for an extended stretch of time and still expect to win the same number of games that you were expected to win coming into the year. And that's what they're faced with right now. Losing Clevenger, hey, he might not be a household name outside of Cleveland. Clevenger's like a borderline ace. And that's six to eight weeks, too. That's not a short-term. He's I, saw out a two quote, weeks. I saw a quote from Tito. I think it was from MLB.com. Yep. On Twitter that said he was expecting six to eight weeks before Clev even picks up a baseball Oh, you're again. right. I did see, yes. That so here's this quote. like back tightness issue, and yep. call it call it six weeks just to be conservative on the twin side of things. He's out six weeks and then is going to pick up a baseball and start playing long toss and build up that progression and go back on a rehab assignment through the minor leagues. A minimum of two months, 
probably more than that, to be honest with you. That's 12, 13, 14 starts, right? And miss. And he's one of these guys that, like, they were absolutely counting on. Now, don't get me wrong. They can absorb this loss probably better than anybody in baseball right now. But this is like one of the big boys losing their their big arm. This is you look at the stats from last season and the progression that Clevenger made and how dominant he was kind of in the shadows for Cleveland. He's only in the shadows because he's in Cleveland. Sure. But he could kind of a similar season to what Jose Barrios did last year for the Twins. Can you imagine this Twins team without Barrios for two months? Oh, you'd. Because I can't. You could close her up right now. Yeah. Close it up and... Start taking phone calls on what you want for some of our spare parts. Yeah. that It's different in Cleveland because they have the pitching depth to overcome it. But this is a huge blow for them, as is the second injury Francisco Lindor suffered. That's... It's going to cost them real runs, real wins over the course of the season. And now I view this as a a pretty fun race between the Twins and Indians. And Cleveland, at the rate things were going, and the team that we saw... They were going to have to win games two to one for a while. Yeah, I but mean, but you said okay with Bauer, Clevenger, and Kluber, that's not that's doable. Sure, but sometimes now, yeah. But now if you subtract Clevenger and now it's Bauer and Kluber, okay, and how, Carrasco, I'd and throw him in there. Carrasco, but how many games can you win now exactly. like that? And and that's where it strikes me as if you're Cleveland, you're probably going to start at some point in June or July to look at the parts that you've got and say, all right, we could keep, we could keep Bauer, but he's a pain in the butt and, and he, <laughs> and he could help a contender and a contender is going to give us a lot for him. Ooh, they've boy, they've they? got, they've got the marketable, they've got the most marketable thing that you can have in baseball today, right? So one, nothing win in October. Start, exactly. Yes. That's like what you they buy. Could send, they could send, if they traded Bauer and Kluber to different playoff teams, you're talking about two teams that say, okay, we are now probably set. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, one of them doesn't cut his finger on a drone changing battery. Not Sam Bauer's the smartest series. guy. He thinks he is. He thinks he's the smartest guy in, in the room. I don't know he, that he, he is. He might be. He might actually be. But he's a it doesn't mean he about. doesn't do dumb things. But you would. But you know what? You would certainly take him for a playoff run. Oh, sign me up. I would Where take do that I sign? pain in the butt in a second. So the weird thing about this is it went from Cleveland. You mentioned the two to one ball game they were going to have to win. Yep. Well, that was fine when you had some 130-plus starts, 120-plus starts, let's call it, going to Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, Mike Clevenger, and oh, by the way, your fifth starter would be the Twins' two-starter. His name's Shane Bieber, and he's pretty good, too. Yep. That was going to be the recipe for winning two-to-one ball games. Lindor hits one tonight. Jose Ramirez hits one tomorrow. It's back to Lindor two days from now. And maybe every once in a while, Carlos Santana will pick up some slack. That was that was a fine strategy, in my opinion. And now you're losing not 30 of those starts, but to Manny's point, you probably are losing 12 of those starts. That hurts a lot. I mean, that's the difference between Clevenger and the next guy up from AAA. Like mm-hmm. I said, Cleveland can sustain that better than probably any team in the big leagues. You'd really rather not sustain that if you can avoid it, and those are going to cost them in the standings. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but this is shaping up to be just a really fun race after these first two And weeks. you know what? Bleep Cleveland because we need something good here. <laughs> right <laughs> now I'm looking out the window and I see white stuff. It's snowing. Yeah, I We need, and between the Wild and Paul Fenton and the Wolves last night and that yeah, you're report that was right in the row. Yes, I am. You're distressed. It's I, fair to say. Listen, I'm not, it's not like I'm a big fan, but I want something to talk about that's good. Like, give me one dysfunctional team. That's cool. I'm fine with that. Kind of fun. But do you, do you guys realize now, 
and people can argue with me and they're wrong. The best run, <laughs> the best run men's <laughs> professional team in this town is the Twins. Um, best run. The best run. If you were to say, who do you want to be your GM? Like multi-sport. So, well, so the Wolves are just dysfunctional. The Wild GM is a uh, is uh, how can I put this nicely? An interesting guy. The Viking, very Minnesotan of you, Judd. Rick Spiel, nicely done. Rick Spielman's not a complete train wreck. That's what I was going to say. Sure what he's, like the Vikings put together the talent to be a Super Bowl team, and they just bet on the wrong quarterback. But that's you know a pretty. I'd say that's a pretty you know good standing. Derek organization. Falvey's the only guy I've talked to in this town, and I'm like, I'm really talking to somebody who sort of gets it here. Sure, sure. And that's the barometer. If yeah. Judd gets it, we have a uh, we have a roster move. Is that, that right? Yeah, uh, twins have just made uh, a moment ago. Should we come back and give that? Is oh, it good enough whoa, for a tease, man? It's a tease. It's a tease. Oh, we man. got a roster move, folks. We got a roster move. Carol Raz. How did I become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works? And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Minnesota Twins! Twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Compete against Score North personalities and win great prizes courtesy of Craigens on Gull Lake, Parway Golf, and Chill Boys with Majors Fantasy Golf. Sign up right now at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. Thank you, Manny Hill. Appreciate it. You are, of course, listening to the Score North Twin Show, which uh, will go till 2 o'clock when Score North Live with Matthew Collar from the TCL Broadcast Studios um, is on until 4. All right, Manny Hill. Give us the news, the breaking news, a roster move by the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins announced today that they have recalled left-handed pitcher Andrew Vasquez from AAA Rochester. Vasquez, <laughs> you're, bar- you're burying the lead, Manny. Yeah. <laughs> you're burying the lead. I am burying the lead. <laughs> to make move on the 25-man roster, the Twins have optioned right-handed pitcher Chase DeYoung to AAA Rochester. And... Uh, yeah, that's about right. After uh, that's a mercy what we saw move. last night, uh, yeah, I'm not too, too bad. I mean, Chase Young's better. Chase DeYoung is better than what you saw in New York, but like that's that's a pretty standard move for the Twins these days. If somebody gets lit up and they're a reliever and they have options and they ain't helping you tonight, get back on the plane. We're gonna get somebody else who can help us tonight. So, I, it's it's pretty par for the course now that they just send out relievers when they're. Not a fresh arm anymore. So I think that these guys are very patient people, and they probably don't get mad about a lot. But I have to imagine that there were certain Twins executives and Rocco were fuming last night when they have to get Taylor Rogers up. Oh, I know. Because yeah. they keep because they're very meticulous about if a guy throws in, in the bullpen. Now they they do the pitch count on him, so they know exactly how much work. Sure. So like I do think that these guys are meticulous and have plans for. Okay, things are going to go wrong, but certain things shouldn't go wrong. And when yeah, poor yeah, Chase yeah. DeYoung can't throw a strike and Taylor Rogers has to get up and start throwing in the bullpen, right. I got to imagine that's the one thing that has these guys being like, what is think, going on? I think Wes Johnson's blood pressure might have gone up a little bit. Wes looks that. like his blood pressure might go I up. I don't at times. know. I think I talked to him a little bit in Fort Myers. I can't tell. I, I think he's kind of a chill guy when it comes to that stuff. I think he cares. I think he loves baseball, but I don't think he's going to lose six hours. Hey, I got a question it. for you. About yes. pitching changes and about visits to the mound. Yeah. Why did it take so long to have a deal where an interpreter could go out to the mound? Oh, yeah, I know. Baseball. That's that was why. baseball, right? That's baseball. That's not a twin, but that wasn't a Twins not electing to do it. That was baseball. Didn't allow it previously. I don't know if it was. Or they did allowed. for some pitchers, but not. Yeah, because you'd see Latin like pitchers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that might be it. Like you, you'd see. Um, 
Like, because Shohei Otani had a translator yes, last year. I remember watch that. Angels games. But anyway, I mean, that's baseball. Baseball's often slow to adapt to things. Uh, probably not the most hashtag woke sport uh, among the four major men's in this country. Uh, Thanks what, for the they, lingo. Yeah, yeah of there. course. I, You're welcome. Older man, I didn't understand. Yeah, no, it, I'll send it to you. I, I'll get you a link woke. after the show. Hold on, I'm going to Google that. Yeah, Urban woke. Dictionary will be your, okay. your source there. Uh, the the Andrew Vasquez move is, it's whatever. They're, they're looking for a fresh arm. I actually like Vasquez. He's got this big slider. He throws it all the time. Okay. He's, a, he's a useful piece, and I could see him sticking around, especially as you mentioned, Judd, because Taylor Rogers is kind of this... I mean, he's like this end-of-game elite weapon now. So you're not going to bring him in in the sixth he's, to go get a lefty. He's the fireman, basically, he right? He is their best reliever, in my estimation, and you use him but in the a, highest leverage spots. So he's not a closer. No, As we they don't a have closer, a closer. Yeah. He's a fireman. They, yeah, correct. Which, by the way, was a term for closer when, when I was a child, and Before we should bring closers. it back. Yes. Because if I'm not mistaken, there used to be a Topps baseball card that awarded the Rollades Fireman Relief Pitchers of, yeah, the, year. of the Year. Yeah. And then those guys would, would wear like a fireman's hat. <laughs> Let's bring <laughs> that back, Topps. Well, they, I think they still have the Rollades Reliever, or they had recently anyway. Well, let's but, bring back the concept of, of the fireman well, who wears the fire hat. I'll push back just quickly on two things. One is that Taylor Rogers, I view as kind of like a uh, one inning or like a four out guy. Fireman is someone I think of like you could come in in the seventh and finish her off if if that's what is required. There are very few true firemen. Josh Hader is a fireman. Let's rethink the fireman then. Okay, that's fine. I want the I'm on board back. with this. I'm on board with this. Let's get Taylor Rogers. Let's let, get him a fire hat. Let's get him entrance music at Target Field for this homestand. I want to hear it this weekend. And then let's get him a fireman's hat at the end of the year if this goes according to plan. Okay. The one thing I guess I would say is like, yeah, you don't want to warm up Taylor Rogers when you've got a 65-run lead in the eighth inning. You'd rather not burn your best reliever there by warming him up. Yeah. But they did have an off day before, yep. and they do have an off day Thursday, right? Well, they've got two coming up now. So they're able to warm up Taylor Rogers and even use him two days in a row in All New right. York without killing you. But still, point well taken. Go ahead, throw it over the plate, and get some outs that way. Last thing for today's show. And and I want to make this very clear. I'm a huge fan, and I think he's fantastic. But can we can we all accept that Justin Morneau should be the full time analyst on Twins games now? And I would love to see. By the way, I still think my our guy Smalley for home games should be in the booth as well to go back and forth. Yeah, cosign or Perk. Yeah, a guy like Perk. Um, but man, every time I watch a Twins game, and I know he's not exciting, and I don't care. Every time I watch a Twins game, I learn stuff. Now. I actually, I actually think he is exciting because well, I just I, don't care that he's not enthusiastically sure, flamboyant. Sure, he's not uh, Alex Rodriguez. Or That's Carlos no put Pena. down from me. To me, I think the only difference between him and those guys I just mentioned is that they turn on their TV face. They turn on sure. the their, and I don't mean face like physical appearances. They turn on their ham and eggs. Absolutely. Turn the volume up for the camera. Totally got you. And so Morno doesn't always do that but i actually think he's fascinating because i'll be listening and even if i go into the other room i'm gonna grab a drink or whatever something like that mm-hmm. um got to check on the fish tanks i turn the volume up because uh-huh. i don't want to miss the five times a game that he's going to teach me something i didn't know at all mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna learn something new every night small is the same way where i'm like yeah not gonna want to miss any segment here because they're not all going to be aces, whatever, but there's going to be a few aces in that deck, and I don't want to miss them. Um, guess I haven't always felt that way my entire Twins viewing life. Yeah, which is fine. Which I, and You know what, Bert? God bless him. 
But this also goes to what I've said, which is I do believe getting people who have recently played the game in the booth is a great idea. Oh, it's huge. When Madden started, for how long was Madden great? But by the end, you know what? He was detached from the game. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Romo, in 15 years, is not going to be as good as he is now because he might be more polished. But guess what? He's going to be farther away from the game. This also goes to, in fact, that's why I, I respect Roy so much because Roy has not played in forever and is still good, but the majority of people lose touch. Yeah. And Morneau still knows players and he knows the game incredibly well. And he knows the, and baseball's changed more than any other yeah, sport, probably, yeah. right? Well, and I love too that he's like, He's putting himself in the shoes of Nelson Cruz. And like, what would I be thinking through this? What I have loved about Morneau's development is he now realizes the perfect timing and tempo and pace, how to work that stuff in. Because like, if he's going to tell me about, oh, well, I know I can cover the breaking ball off the plate because he hasn't thrown it for a strike all day. So I'm going to look inside and try to get my hands through on that fastball when he's probably going to try to bust me in with two strikes. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, this is gold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everything that you just said, keep it coming. That's the great stuff. What he's very good at now is finding the spot to get that information in. It's not an easy job. That is an incredibly difficult thing to do, whether you're on the radio or TV or Facebook Live or whatever. He has more or less mastered that part of it. Not having the insight, he always had that. Now, the delivery of that insight, it's been Awesome. These first what nine games it's been great. You know what? You know the route I think he's headed headed on. What's that Jim Pete? I sure. think he can be. Yeah. I think he can be Jim Pete because Jim. Yeah. You know when Jim Pete first started doing the color commentary, he was you know he he analyzed it, but he was very you know very chill with it. But I think the longer Justin does this, I think he can. Yeah, start. I think that's the route that he, that he's headed. That's mm-hmm. that's fantastic. I think if he wants to be a national guy, I think he can be someday. Yeah, he's that good. All right, gents, thanks much. Score North Twin Show is done. Score North Live with Matthew Collar coming up next. Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndewgaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17+. plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.